Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A blazing fire under the body of the nitro-powered Toyota Camry of Alexis DeJuria, and this is as bad a fire as you're ever going to see. On this episode, it's a pro stock show, Dallas Glenn and Angel Sampe. Eric Anders is your 2020 pro stock world champion in stunning fashion. We're talking cars and motorcycles on the stretch run. Scotty's out on Andrew at 1,000 feet. It's Scotty Polachek for the first time in his career. This is the NHRA Insider. Tony Schumacher. Wow, what an appropriate way to end this one. 28 10,000s at the strike. An instant classic final round. Hey everybody, Brian Loans back again with another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. As mentioned, it's going to be a, a, a pro stock theme show as far as our guests go with Angel coming on to talk about pro stock motorcycle. She's currently second in the points and Dallas Glenn coming on to talk about not only his season, but how he views this stretch run, which is growing ever shorter for the pro stock car category in the NHRA countdown to the championship. Of course, it is race week. It's the NHRA Fall Texas Nationals where we'll be relocating ourselves down there in the next day or two. Many teams already on the property as the stampede of speed week has been going on. And this is, um, you know, this is a historic, gigantic, one of the largest ever produced drag racing promotions in history of the sport. And um, to have an event that begins on a Sunday, we have concerts, we have festivals, we have movie nights, we have the Nitro Sideshow, we have uh, match races between guys like Stevie Fast Jackson, uh, I believe Bubba Stanton that went for something like a hundred grand on on Monday night, um, and then there's going to be all kinds of wild stuff happening throughout the week. On Wednesday, there is a professional test session where my understanding is a ton of, if not almost all, of the premier professional teams will be at the Texas Motorplex from about 9 in the morning till mid-afternoon, early evening, making test runs, and uh, that is open to the public. So if you are listening to this and you can get yourself wiggled out of work on a Wednesday, uh, do it. And then, of course, on Thursday, we begin sportsman qualifying for the Fall Nationals. Friday, we have two sessions on Friday, two sessions on Saturday of pro qualifying, Yes, this is a four-session race. For the first time since uh, Phoenix of 2020, we're going to have four qualifying sessions at a national event. And not only that, on Friday night, low ET in all of the professional categories will get bonus cash. And I'm talking big bonus cash. Top Fuel and Funny Car paying fifteen grand. Pro Stock and Pro Stock Motorcycle also getting bonus money as well. It may not be fifteen grand, but it is significant. Uh, to the point of who can outperform the field during that session two qualifying uh, extravaganza on Friday night. So this is the Texas Motorplex has put in a load of work to produce this event, to continue to produce this event, and uh, they have worked very hard to um, get with the state. They got a grant uh, from the uh, from the state of Texas and their travel and tourism department as this is an event that is designed to bring people in from all over the country to see what is an incredible drag racing promotion that, as I mentioned, is effectively a week-long event. It has started, and it ain't going to stop until we're done on Sunday afternoon. The Fall Nationals will be epic in pretty much every way we can think of when we talk about the points races, the points chases. You know, we had Tony Pedregon on last week. Josh Hart was on last week to talk about some of this stuff, but it does bear repeating, especially when we get talking on gel, um, really less than a round effectively out of first place in pro stock motorcycle, not necessarily out of nowhere, but we have certainly seen from the beginning of the season till now, her level of comfort and performance really rise up and we're going to watch her Steve, Steve Johnson, rather 
Um, Matt Smith, Scotty Polachek, they're really kind of the, the fast four in that category and the four that are closest lumped up in the points. And then at Pro Stock Car, we're going to have Dallas Glenn on to talk about uh, kind of his uh, thoughts and feelings right now in this part of the year and you know he's got some work to do I want to talk to him about what his approach is going to be to try to do that work and really what's changed in his approach from being a wrench during the countdown to being a wheelman and wrench during the countdown uh, we've talked about funny car we've talked about top fuel we're obviously racing this week in Texas it is Steve uh, Torrance's home racetrack Billy Torrance's home racetrack it's about two hours away from where they reside in Kilgore Texas so you know Steve and uh, Steve specifically has seen the best side of this place and has seen the tough side of this place he has won here conquered here Capco always has a load of people from the company at this event. Uh, he also has tasted the wrong side of the Texas Motorplex in 2017 with the crash and then the uh, ensuing explosion into the next round when they had the backup car out that really kind of put a, a damper on their championship hopes. It was it was not the same car, was not the same uh, level of success going forward from that point. And obviously, we know what happened at Pomona in 2017. So Steve's going to try to continue on the success that he has built around himself and the Torrance family has built around themselves at this particular event as we get ready to go drag racing this weekend. Professional categories are full plus field, so qualifying will be bumping. It'll be fun. Jeff Arend will be back this weekend driving a car that old school drag racing fans will freak out when they see, owned by Brad Tuttle. The Nitro Bandit is back, and Jeff Arend will be driving it uh, here. Now, my understanding is that Brad Tuttle is going to primarily run this car at events like Funny Car Chaos and others, but this provided a great opportunity to get the machine on the racetrack, get it sorted out to speak of, and kind of get the uh, get the groundwork laid to move forward. But obviously awesome to hear about the Nitro Bandit name coming back, that Brad Tuttle's coming back, and that he has teamed up with Jeff Arend for this particular weekend to try to qualify that car and, and succeed in eliminations. We have a load of Texas racers. Alex Laughlin's from Granby, Texas. You have Temple, Texas uh, for Terry Haddock. You have Odessa, Texas for the McGahays. Roger Brogdon's from Texas. Erica Enders is from Houston. I mean, the list is the list is long. Lee Calloway coming up to run. He's a Houston area guy. So it's really fun. I mean, when we look at the fields uh, that, are, again, are full on all sides and all fronts, uh, it is neat to see how many of those racers do hail from the Lone Star State. The attitude and let's call it uh, seriousness of the season, really over the next two weeks will take a turn. And it will take a turn to the hopeful and positive for some, and it will take a turn for the the downright disappointment of others. I mean, when we come out of Dallas, uh, we'll have a, I would assume, a clearer picture as to who we really need to pay attention to as far as Pro Stock Car. Why? Pro Stock Car doesn't race in Bristol. We race back-to-back, Dallas and then Bristol. Pro Stock Car was not slated to race in Charlotte. They transferred Pro Stock Car from the Bristol race to the Charlotte race so they could be a part of the NFL adjacent broadcast that was the massive audience that we all hoped it would have been. Also, Pro Stock Bike does race in Bristol, so we'll see the Pro Stock motorcycle category kind of establish itself over the next two weeks. Can Matt Smith climb his way back to the top? Can Angel get around Steve Johnson? Can Steve Johnson recover from not only the disappointment of what he experienced in Charlotte, the wackiness of and, and badness of things that happened off the racetrack? You might have seen the story that was published about um, a jock accidentally, uh, accidentally uh, receiving a gunshot wound by his own hand. Thankfully, he's going to recover from that but it's been a very strange series of events for Steve Johnson since leaving 
Charlotte, and he left there very disappointed after hitting the timing block. So uh, his mental acuity will be tested this weekend to see if he can get around all the bad stuff and concentrate on what has been a very fast motorcycle. And with with Pro Stock Motorcycle, again, back-to-back, we'll know kind of after Bristol what that looks like. It is our last back-to-back of the season as we go Dallas-Bristol, week off Vegas, week off Pomona. And when we talk about other potential storylines, we look at Matt Hagen and his very slender lead over the Nitro Funny Car category. As slender as that lead is, it feels a little bit bigger to me than it actually is. I think the way that car ran in Charlotte, the way that car uh, performed, I should say, in St. Louis, it's, it's... it is a very, very strong effort that they have happening there, and it is something that um, it is certainly something that uh, that I think everybody else is paying as close attention to in the category as we are. You just can't let the guy run away with it. You can't let him escape, and that's why John Forrest and Ron Caps and really the the rest of the hard running funny cars are going to try to uh, going to try to thwart him early. Qualifying, as we have seen, is crucial. The, the, the problems that John Force Racing had in St. Louis with that first-round matchup between he and Robert Height, and I don't mean anything that happened during the matchup. I mean the fact that they had to race each other first round, of course, stemmed from Robert having some trouble in qualifying. The car just wasn't doing what they wanted it to do, and unfortunately, he ended up having to race the boss and his teammate. I am sure they will be at the test session this Wednesday. They will be lining it out, and the reality is that test session should provide data and information that will translate into two incredible qualifying sessions on Friday and two even more incredible qualifying sessions on Saturday. Racers like Krista Baldwin are coming down to Texas with their top fuel dragsters, having watched the last several races, knowing that if you can't run in the 70s, you're probably not going to qualify. And that is a that is a very, very interesting point she made on an, in an interview on NHRA.com I did with her uh, last week was that they've already had these conversations, and I'm sure many of the other teams heading down there have had these conversations as well. And for some teams, running a 70 is old hat. That's what they do. They run 60s. But for a team like Krista Baldwin's that has not had as many runs, that has not been on the racetrack as much, that does not run as frequently, Getting down that, that car down in the 70s will be their job, will be their goal, and likely will be the difference between them qualifying or not. Before we get into our interviews and conversations today, we should probably go down the rabbit hole of some of these uh, crazy, silly season rumors. We are hearing, um, well, let's see. I, I will be as vague as I can with these out of respect for some of the people involved because uh, oftentimes when we talk about deals and shifting and things happening that uh, we don't want to give too many specifics as not to upset the apple cart. But um, the, the big one that a lot of people have been talking about is this Alan Johnson rumor that he's going to be transitioning over to Coletta Motorsports next year. None of that has been confirmed yet. Um, it will be interesting to see when Mike Salinas or Alan Johnson makes a statement regarding that. Is it possible that Salinas becomes part of that group too? I don't know. Probably not, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, we have heard that uh, Napa has come back with Ron Caps, but we don't necessarily know if he's going to be racing with Don Schumacher racing next year. We also have heard the rumors regarding um, a potential departure from Don Schumacher racing of of Matt Hagen and of Leah Pruitt to do something um, on the order of or with Tony Stewart. Again, no confirmation on any of that either. Uh, we have heard about various crew chief 
potential moves talked about, potential uh, movements of toolboxes around the the city of Brownsburg. We have heard about uh, part-time cars that run a half dozen races, trying to run 12 to 18 races in multiple in multiple scenarios next year, meaning not just one person, multiple people talking about that. And I think we're going to continue to kind of suss some of these rumors out over the course of the next uh, really couple of weeks. I think by the time we get to Pomona, I think a lot of this stuff will be announced by then. Um, Either that or the week after Pomona is going to be an insane torrent of news, or maybe SEMA week will be an insane torrent of news. Either way, the fuse continues to get shorter on what will be an explosive silly season when it officially kicks off. And you can you can believe me when you when I say this. The first announcement that gets made will kick the door open, and then everybody else will feel like they can do it too. So uh, not that you won't, but make sure you you pay complete and close attention to everything going on in the sport of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing over the next couple weeks because there will be pieces on the Ouija board absolutely flying all over the place. Okay, so that being said, now let's move into our first conversation of this episode. He is a guy that has been having an incredible rookie season in pro stock. He is vying for, and many people believe he has earned the right to be named Rookie of the Year of this 2021 NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series. Multiple wins, multiple final rounds, and multiple smiles for a man named Dallas Glenn. Dallas, how you doing, man? How you doing, Brian? Uh, Good to be on here. Yeah, it's great to have you on here because uh, you've been a uh, mover, shaker, and headline maker this year, man. Has this has this year lived up to your expectations so far? And, well, frankly, it ain't over yet. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely isn't over yet. Um, and so, you know, I've been having a blast this season. I've learned a lot. Uh, and I've learned so much more than, than even just working on the car, you know, driving it and working on it at the same time. I get to, you know, make smaller changes to, to stuff that I couldn't before and, and see – firsthand in the car what you know what 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 it does so uh i've definitely learned a lot this year and i'm just having a blast beyond what you've learned you know mechanically and and on a race day situation or a race weekend situation of of playing both roles what have you learned about yourself this year because beyond all the mechanical stuff and the success this has been a bit of a uh, even a personal journey for you just taking this new role um well you know i've learned a lot about uh, uh kind of just how i've been carrying myself and public speaking and, and being in front of a camera all the time and having the spotlight kind of been more shining in my direction because you know for the longest time you know i've been working on jason's car I've, I've never really been one to jump out and you know have everybody go hey you know hey look <laughs> at me so it's kind of you know I, I remember you know i look back it was like uh at, at my wedding with uh with sadie it was like one of the first times that I'm like, you know, everybody here is here because of me. And it, and it just was kind of a different feeling. And, and then some of that kind of relates to, you know, being in pro stock, because when we go to the track, there's like for the three cars, there's 10, 10, 15 guys that all fly in and they're all here because of, you know, what me, Greg and Kyle are doing. So it kind of, you know, it changes the focus a little bit and it kind of puts me more in the spotlight. So, um, it's just a, a little bit different experience. Yeah, that's cool, man. It's been it's been neat to uh, kind of watch that journey with you. It's been neat to kind of see you over the course of the year get a little bit more comfortable. And and I can certainly remember the first time we aimed the camera at you, and, and you're a lot different looking guy in a good way now than you were then. Because back then it looked like we might have been making a hostage video, but now now you're comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, uh, I you know, the first time the camera comes on you, you're usually always a little bit nervous. Absolutely. But the, the more and more you do it, the more you get used to it. You just you just have a conversation and, and tell everybody 
everything that, that you know so it's uh yeah and again that's that's been a fun thing to watch and and before we get into the the countdown stuff and, and what we got coming up for the rest of the season um you know you scored i think e- even beyond your event wins you scored a victory with the announcement several weeks ago that rad torque systems will come back for 2022 to to be your primary sponsor and i want to talk a little bit about that how i don't know if it's relief if it's if it's if it's joy if it's all of it like what did it mean to you mentally to know that you have somebody that's got your back next year oh it definitely takes a lot of pressure off i mean you know i don't have to think about sponsors i mean well i mean you always you're always gonna think about a little bit more but it takes the main pressure away you know i don't i all i have to do this year right now is focus on going out there making good laps winning rounds and trying to win races and i don't have to think about well you know what's going to happen next year and I, 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 the only thing i have to, to worry about is designing a new wrap <laughs> yeah and really i just have to ask somebody to do it so you know and, and, uh, the guys that do it do a great job i mean i absolutely love the way my car looks this year but no the, it's, uh, it, it, it has just, to be it has to be especially at this time of the year when the pressure is highest on you to perform on a week-to-week basis like you said and and you're you're the guy who drives the truck you get this stuff to and from the racetrack and and -hmm. in those long hours to not have to kind of be wondering what's three months in the future or or four months or six months in the future and being able to simply spend those hours going how do i find a hundredth it's have to it has to be a a benefit oh yeah it's definitely you know the 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 less pressure that that you feel up there the better that you're going to do you know and and just to be able to be relaxed and just get into a groove and a nice comfort zone is just that's that's what that's what we're all looking for right there it i mean it's even even bracket racing you know i went bracket racing this last weekend and it to just your know, first rounds are always a little shaky and once you just kind of settle down into a nice groove you can just start clicking off nice consistent runs and that's that's kind of what the name of the game is obviously you uh you love racing and all especially drag racing and all of its forms did you go bracket racing simply for the fun of it or was this was this something that you wanted to do for yourself to make sure you were looking at a christmas tree on a week that you necessarily some maybe most of your competitors didn't no this is just some it's just because some I, I enjoy doing and i didn't even really plan on, on racing i mean obviously i brought my stuff just in case because you never know I just wanted to go up and hang out with a bunch of friends that were racing in Bristol at the uh, fall fling that uh, Peter Biondo and Kyle Seipel started. Yes. And uh, I just wanted to go up there and hang out with some friends. There there were some friends from Washington there. There was uh, the Glitties that are uh, very big with Rad Torque Systems. I wanted to, to meet them kind of more officially and, and hang out with them. And then uh, Shane Thompson with Silver State, he was there racing as well. So just to you know, hang out with some friends and, and – and you just be with people on a, on a weekend where I don't have to work or worry about anything is, you know, it's kind of refreshing. No, that's great. But, you know. I often I often tell people that that are that work in the sport. It's like sometimes if you just go to the drag strip as just kind of yourself, and and either you go bracket racing or you sit in the stands and hang out. It it is a reminder where you go, oh wait a second, now I remember why people really love this stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so man, it it is going to come down to the wire. We know it is uh, for the pro stock category. There are three races remaining in the season: Dallas, Vegas, and Pomona. Uh, you guys were slated to race at Bristol, but instead shifted over to Charlotte because of the big uh, NFL adjacent race that we had and i guess i want to get your opinion on on these last three races i mean you know you you're in a you're in a spot where you might need a little help you know when we look at when we look at where you are positioned in the points you need to keep it close because obviously pomona being points and a half uh really anything can happen out there but in your mind's eye other than the obvious answer of i need to win all three of these races uh what do you think or where do you think you'd ideally need to be 
coming into Pomona. How close do you think you you can be to still be a contender coming into that points and a half race? Uh, I mean, you know, as long as you know mathematically, you know, I mean, obviously you want to get it the closer the better. Yeah. I would honestly, I'd really like to be in the lead going into Pomona, but that's going to be a pretty tall order with the two <laughs> people that are in front of me. Um, I mean, the main thing that I need to do right now is to stop letting that red car beat me. Man, they are they are tough. <laughs> She's got me close to the count, and that's that's big for points. You know, just just those two rounds, I only knocks her back forty, but gains me another full game. Uh, you know, just doing that, it makes this whole points race a whole lot more interesting. But it uh, basically the the main thing is if I just go out there and I keep doing my job and and keep trying to do whatever I can to win rounds and go to at least the semis, then at least they won't get farther out on me you know i'd like to go yeah. to, you know finally win, win one of these things that's the ultimate goal but um going into pomona if i can be um within i'd say two rounds because then if you knock somebody yeah. out of the semis you can win yeah and then win the race it's basically because the the good chances are whoever is ahead of you you'll probably meet up with them in the semis correct or, or at least that's that's where all bets are off so you know, counting on somebody to lose second round is is a pretty tall order, um, and you never you know you never want to wish bad luck on your opponents or anything. But you know, at the same time, you kind of do because you need you really it. Want yeah. those points. But you know, at the end of the day, I just need to go out and win rounds and try to go to as many finals as I can. And if I can uh, click off a final round and maybe a win here in Dallas and then do that again in Vegas, it's going to be very very interesting going into Pomona. What happens to you in final rounds? Because we see people that reach final rounds and, and stumble, and we see people that reach final rounds and and really bring it. And you're one of those guys that we have seen consistently in final rounds bring it, whether we're talking about Topeka, even and, – and I realize the wind light didn't come on for you in the final round in St. Louis, but my goodness, man, what happens to you in final rounds? Because you find, you find something within yourself or you find something mechanically in that race car that is just absolutely awesome to watch. Yeah, well, it it seems to be just you know it's it's a little bit different each time. Like in in Topeka, I was kind of already in the right in right in the zone of where I wanted to be, and all I did in Topeka was I just got the tree a little bit better. Um, you know, I don't I guess maybe a final round, I'm, I'm more maybe a little bit more focused and and you know, but my focus is a little bit. I like to think it's a little bit different than most people's. Like, you know, people talk about being tunnel visioned and everything. I'm I feel like I'm the opposite. I'm like a you know, like a, a fisheye camera. I like to see everything. You know, like I took my blinders off. Like even when I'm pulling gears, I can see the other car next to me and what it's doing and what the race is looking like. Like I like to see everything. So, you know, it's maybe it's just uh, maybe in the final I get maybe slightly more tunnel vision, I guess, and and focus a little harder on the tree. It might be, but like in in the case of uh, St. Louis, with the two red lights I had on Saturday, it kind of threw a loop so i got a little bit lost on where i was in the clutch pedal and then by you know second third round you know luckily i, I got by with you know not as great of lights as i you know as i have been cutting and i kind of you know i'm like okay i know exactly where i am now and i just made a big move and went right right to where i thought i needed to be on the clutch pedal and it 
just kind of worked out. I was lucky, really, that I wasn't, you know, one red or something like that is, is all it was. It just seems to be more luck than anything. Not that there's, uh, you know, there's no comfort in coming up short, but when you when you come up short in this fashion where you get to the end of the racetrack and you look around and you go, listen, I was almost perfect on the tree. I made a, I, you know, it was a very solid run you made and she was just a little bit quicker. Does it take any of the sting out of it or can you leave at least knowing that, hey, when I get to the next one, I know that I'm comfortable in this car and I, I don't have a lot of questions regarding what I need to do to be successful? I think it does take some of this thing out of it. I mean, obviously, if you go up there and you just get absolutely crushed, it, it's kind of uh, it's a little bit more disheartening than, than it is if you just barely get beat. You know, yeah. if, if if I'm if I have to lose, then I want it to be a really close, good race. Sure. Obviously, the fans like that. Nobody wants to go up there and, and see her beat me by a car lane. No, I'm sure they <laughs> want to see that. But. Her fans do. Your fans don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, as far as you know, the fans in a whole. I, I mean. You know, having good, exciting racing like that is is what we all aim for. So now, when I mean, we go, to, yeah, I'd say it takes a little bit of this thing up. When we go to Dallas, this is going to be the first four qualifying session race of your pro stock career. The first one we've had since uh, Phoenix in 2020, and for a class that is already just ridiculous in terms of how tight it is, I would assume that this is going to make it even tighter. Um, you know. You know, looking at the weather report, you know, I, I haven't heard exactly what time we run Saturday morning. That might be the only one, but it seems like Friday night's going to be the session. Um, the, the weather is going to be pretty hot and, and nasty this uh, this Dallas compared to previous years. I mean, it's not going to be super humid, but yeah. uh, it's, it's going to be low 90s we're expecting. So that might take some of the uh, closeness out of it. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's also possible that maybe – because the track may, may be hotter than normal, that it, it actually could make it closer. So it's it's going to be tough to say. It kind of just depends on uh, who who makes the, the good lap on Friday night. And it's, you know, it's been interesting in terms of this season. We haven't seen a whole ton of really hot racetracks. I mean, we've had some warm ones. Of course, when we were in Pomona, that place, you could have fried eggs on it. But it has been a bunch of races and, uh, since we have seen that. And in terms of your mechanical tuner side, when we talk about a Sunday race day that's probably going to be close to 90, and I'm guessing a racetrack that's going to be 120 plus, um, does that... Since it's been so long since we've seen it, is that cause for concern, or is this something that you go, okay, good, I like a hot racetrack, because there are some guys that prefer it, and there are certainly some guys that hate it. Um, I would say, you know, there's there's certain cars out there that just kind of do better on hot racetracks, and some cars that do better on really good racetracks, and normally, when you take those cars and flop them onto the other side, they struggle. So, um, I've always kind of felt that my car may not be the best on a hot racetrack. Um, I'm not saying that it's not a good race car right, or anything, right. but it, it's, you know, I just know that there's cars that might be a little bit better. So, but, you know, we've been, uh, you know, we, we, they pulled my engine out and they've been doing some work on it. So, um, I'm really excited coming into Dallas. I don't think the hot racetrack is going to be a problem, especially, um, NHRA seems to be doing a great job with track prep, especially yeah. during the countdown. You know, all the racetracks have been absolutely killer in the countdown. So, um, I think that uh, I, I think it's not going to be as bad as we think it is, and it's just going to come down to who can make a nice, clean, aggressive run, um, uh, you know, on race day, all four runs. 
in terms of uh, you know the KB racing, um, the KB racing you know approach, the KB racing kind of ethos is really amazing when we look at it. We look at between you, Greg, uh, Kyle Koretsky, even the other cars that are not necessarily directly KB link but use KB power. Um, the parity amongst the team cars is astonishing, and to some degree, I mean, it's obviously hurt Greg a time or two. Kyle Koretsky got him, you know, for his uh, for for a victory, and and Kyle's been running incredibly well, but. I want to talk a little bit about that because when Kyle won, Greg was right there to congratulate him, was celebrating. When you won, uh, Greg was right there to congratulate you and celebrate with you. I just want to talk a little bit about that because it is, I think, very unique in this sport to see this many cars with all race winning capable power. And I mean, nobody's taking a nobody's taking a pratfall for anybody else over there at KB Racing. No, no, that is uh, that is that's one of the things I love about speed racing. That is absolutely no matter what the situation, we're going to race hard, um, just like just like we're you know not teammates. Yeah, uh, every run we're going to, you know, even the, the crew chiefs they just want each car to make the best possible run. They don't look at who's or who you're racing. Nothing, none of none of that. So um, it's just one of the things that I absolutely love about it. And you know, and one of the things is like. You know, we have, you know, rental customers paying tens of thousands of dollars a race to, you know, get the best power possible. And, you know, you can't, you know, you, you can't justify giving them something that's not as good as what we get, you know, because, you know, they're paying uh, a lot of money for yeah. it. So, no, to, it's... To, you know, you, we just basically give everybody the exact same best that we can do. And, and you know what they do with it is uh, is kind of up to them. But as far as our team cars, we just try to make everything as best as we can and, and let the drivers figure it out on the racetrack. Yeah, and it makes for uh, it makes for very fun, you know, really electrifying racing. Whether you're talking about you know me and Tony watching from the booth or the people watching from the grandstands, because you know it's one thing when you know when there are two great drivers and you know the cars are basically dead even that to me is what makes pro stock racing the best that's what makes you lean forward in your seat and go okay you know obviously there's a billion variables here between these two cars with how they're set up and, and minor differences this way and that but ultimately we may be talking about a race that's that's finished by three thou and that three thou may come off the clutch pedal of uh, of one of these drivers mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's that's one of the things that makes pro stock great is is even with how different all of these cars are how close they run is just uh incredible in my opinion like the amount of ch- you know adjustability and one of these cars is just, it's, it's mind-boggling <laughs> how, and, and it's the things that make huge differences that people don't realize and, and how small of a window we're trying to tiptoe on to try to make it, you know, the car make the best run is, it's, uh, but I guess most people who, who do, you know, other short types of racing, you just don't quite understand how, how finicky and how much of a finesse it is to get one of these things to go down the racetrack fast. Well, man, one last question. You have uh, you have earned cowboy hats at this race as a crew guy. What would it mean to earn a cowboy hat at this race as a driver and uh, crew chief? Well, I mean, you know, being named Dallas to win at Dallas is obviously <laughs> very it's, – it's pretty high up on the bucket list. <laughs> and to uh, be able to get my own cowboy hat that, uh, you know, it wasn't – you know, uh, uh, being a crew guy would be – I mean that's it's like I said it's it's a bucket list kind of item there. I mean uh, it's a great facility. I love coming to Dallas. It uh, the fans are always awesome in Texas, and it sounds like this week's going to be an incredible one. You know, especially for the the first. Uh, oh yeah, the stampede of you know, speed, baby. Speed. Yeah. yeah. Well, so uh, 
Yeah, this this is this is going to be one for the for the record books, I think. Well, man, I speak for I think everybody that loves the pro stock category. It has been a real pleasure watching your race this year. It's going to be real fun to watch you uh, kind of throw haymakers at everybody else over these next three races that we have left for pro stock to do what you can do to try to earn yourself a number or a first world championship and finish as high as you can in the points. And uh, it's just been a great story, man. Congratulations on re-signing Rad Torque Systems for 2022. And I think um, you know one of the neatest things is just knowing that that Dallas Glenn is not going to be one a, a one-year wonder you know and I think that I'm sure that's something that uh, that you're proud of as well but I think for all of us that love the class it's great to know that we're going to get to see you come back next year and in, in a more veteran status not that you need any help but my god man it, you, you come back with a full year under your belt next year look out yeah it's uh each each racetrack kind of has its own personality so next year I'll kind of know what to expect at each one so uh, I'm just really thankful for for Rod Torque and, and all the people that helped me and KB Racing and everybody so um, yeah, no, uh, I'm not, I'm not moving on to next year yet. I'm still really focused on this year. So I'm going to definitely come try to bring it to him here in Dallas. All right, man, go back to work. I'm sure Greg's staring out the window at you, pointing at you to get back <laughs> into the shop and get your work done. So, Hey, congratulations on the success this year and good luck with the remaining three races. Dallas Glenn. Thanks for your time, man. All right. Thank you. You really got to love Dallas's enthusiasm and the fact that this guy is really kind of an old school pro stock racer. As much as the classes evolved and changed over the years, there's a lot of of old school hardcore pro stock racer in Dallas Glenn, and I believe that has been a big factor in his success this year and likely his continued success through the end of this season and into 2022. We now switch gears. We go from four wheels to two. We're going to talk to the woman who is currently sitting second and just a mere second in the points chase of the pro stock motorcycle category, rider of the Mission Foods, Suzuki out of the Vance and Hines camp. Angel Sampe. Angel, how you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well. It has been uh, it has been a wild season. It's been a wild couple of years in pro stock motorcycle, really, and, and the class just doesn't seem to be uh, giving up on the craziness. That, that win that you had in Charlotte uh, was just incredible on pretty much every level, and obviously the emotions that were happening at the top end, both with you and Joey, were just uh, over the top. Yeah, that was a tough one for me. I was trying to get that win two races prior to that one. You know, I went to Indy on a mission, and and I almost did it. You know, we ha- I had a little bit of a hiccup on the starting line, and I didn't get the job done, and Eddie took it from me. But that was the one that I really thought I was going to get, was the U.S. Nationals. So um didn't happen for me, so I went on to Reading with that same momentum, that same confidence, thinking I can get it done there, too. And of course that didn't happen. But so when I got to Charlotte, I knew that this was my, my final chance and, and not the final chance of the year. You know, we got, got several more races, but I was on a mission for a certain reason. And that was because of the people in Louisiana and, and the struggles that they're going through still right yeah. now because of hurricane Ida. And I knew I had a three race stretch, you know, one, two, three in a row. And that, that was the time I needed to do it. So to get it done, you know, third time's a charm, got it done in Charlotte wasn't the way I would have hoped for it to happen. Um, but you know what? I, I've always said every single time I've ever won a race or seen anybody else win a race that when it's your day, it's your day. And fortunately for me, 
it was my day in Charlotte. It, it really was, um, you know, and it was it was a story that was just unbelievable, and and not just your side of it, but also Joey's side of it with everything that happened. And you know, to 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 bring you inside the booth a little bit, you went you win the race, and you're walking over to Joey, and and we picked it up with our with our microphones, and and you're apologetic about that. And I, I was, I just kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. But but it was the thing that made it so impactful was how genuine it was, and not to say you've ever been disingenuous. But there was a tone and a sound in your voice, and and I looked over and uh, listen. I everybody in the place had tears running down their face. I had tears running <laughs> down my face. Pedregon's over there wiping them away. It was one of the most, I think, it was incredible moment. It was very human and very powerful, and and that goes for both sides of it. Thank you. I appreciate that because it was true. You know, I I, I love Corey Reed and what had happened to him that day. Corey and I were competitors. I'm not competitors. We were teammates. Yes. We've always been competitors, but. For those that don't know, we were on the same team. Um, we started Team Liberty together, and which now he's turned it's Reed Motorsports now. But we were racing together, and we became like brother and sister, and he's like family. And he's one that I genuinely cannot wait to see win his first race. And when that accident happened to him that day, it really messed me up because I hated to see him injured yeah. in any way, shape, or form. But also. Now I have to run the motorcycle after seeing this. And, and when you see something like that, it makes it hard to get down the racetrack. Um, and then I knew when Corey was taken off to the hospital and Joey decided to continue the race and was going to try to win it for Corey. And then here I am, you know, I'm trying to steal that from him. And I, and I would love to see Joey win his first race as well. He's gotten really close before. And so I thought, I actually started thinking to myself that, this was all meant to be for Joey. It's happening the way it should happen for Joey. And I was, I was very upset because I knew how bad I wanted to win it for my friends and my family back at home. But I also knew how bad Joey wanted to win it for Corey. And I was so torn. And so, you know, I, I got up there and I just figured I was going to do the best job I could. And whatever way it happens, I'll be, I'll be happy. Well, then I messed up on the starting line and had a really late light. And then Joey's bike, the kill switch came out, and I was able to pass him up and win. And it, and that was that made the emotions even more so because it was like <laughs> yeah. I knew that it was just meant to be for me to win, and it wasn't meant for Joey that day. But I, it, I couldn't get rid of the feelings of guilt that I had stopped Joey from getting this win, but was still, you know, hugely excited yeah. for myself and my team yeah. and my family and my friends. So it was such an awkward moment you know I wanted to be happy and I wanted to celebrate but I couldn't and I was just so sorry and all I could think to say was Joey I'm so sorry and that's what I kept saying at the end of the track yeah it was I mean beyond a shadow of a doubt it was one of the most emotional real kind of human things I've ever seen in drag racing it was it was unbelievable but we, we moved forward from that we, we, we that was <laughs> that was a day yeah. I think everybody lived like three lifetimes in that one day so we moved forward from <laughs> yeah. that um, and now we're looking at Dallas we're, we're looking at uh, uh, three races basically left for uh, for the pro stock motorcycle category and you're 17 points out of the lead and, and there's nothing that says to me or anybody else that that you can't leave with that points lead in dallas so you know approach wise what does that change for you i mean it's been a little while since you've been in this situation to be a legitimate threat to win a title yeah you know i'm i'm trying to remind myself daily that i just need to go to the next race and take it one lap at a time and that includes the first run down the track for qualifying and that should be the only round or the only run I'm focused on. And I want to make really good laps. I want to make 
I want to drive the bike the way I'm supposed to be driving it, practice my reaction times, get everything done right. Um, of course, winning is what is on my mind, and, and winning that race is what I'm thinking about because that's all I'm ever about is just winning. Yeah. I mean, I have 44 wins now, but it doesn't – in my mind, I don't have any and I don't have enough, and I, it's all I ever wanted was to win. So I'm going there wanting to win the race, but I'm really trying to just keep my mind focused on doing a better job on the motorcycle because I have an unbelievably quick and fast um, pro-stock motorcycle built by Vance and Hines, and we have Mission Foods on boards, and they're helping us get out there and get the job done. But what Andrew and Eddie and all the guys back at Vance and Hines and even the Vance and Hines company in California, what they have done to put me out on the racetrack and give me the bike that I have is an amazing thing. And I have not yet shown everybody what this motorcycle can do. I'm still making mistakes. You know, after 25 years, there's still mistakes being made. And, and I know that happens with everybody. Um, but I've, I've, I've felt like I've been behind the motorcycle most of the year, and I'm finally catching up to it. I'm doing a better job. But when I can get a flawless run done on that motorcycle, everybody's going to go crazy when they see what it can do. So uh, that's, my, that's my goal. Get out there. Make some good, clean runs. I know the points will come. I'm at a point in my career where I'm always looking or thinking about when is it going to be over. Yeah. Because, you know, I thought it was over at the beginning of this year. I thought I wasn't coming back out. And Vance and Hines decided to put me back out on the Suzuki with the new four-valve engine. So I was giving another opportunity. Um, but I, I know every day that this could be my last year. And so do I want that championship? Heck, yeah. You can't, you wouldn't, you can't <laughs> believe how bad I want it. You know, because, it, hey, if it's my last year and I can go out with the fourth championship, I mean, wouldn't that be the most amazing story to, after all these years to come back out of retirement and do this again? But I can't let that pressure be put on myself. I can't put it on myself. So I do believe that I am in the perfect position within myself because yeah. I really do feel comfortable and calm. I don't feel like I have to do this. You know, I don't feel like people are going to love me any less. Fans are not going to support me anymore. I just feel like if I do it, it would be a wonderful story. And if I don't do it, I still had a fabulous career. So I feel really comfortable. Yeah, that's empowering. All right. That's uh, that's like an empowering place to get to, because I think when in anything, whether it's uh, sports or business or anything, when you're when you're really concerned with those outside factors, when you're really concerned with with what the bigger not necessarily the bigger picture is but what the meaning of everything is you get you get caught up in it so to be in the place where you are right now that seems to be a really kind of empowering headspace to be in yes i, I have struggled my entire career with wanting everything too much i want to win so bad and it, it's actually affected me all of my career i've probably could have had 20 more wins if i didn't want it so bad you know i just pushed myself so hard and and struggled with losses too much where I couldn't move on and I've finally learned after all these years I still want it really bad I've just learned how to control it better and, and how to I don't feel like I'm going to die anymore I literally was at a point and I, it's true wow. like if I yeah. if I didn't win if I did anything to mess up it took me a full week of just being severely depressed I didn't want to see anybody I didn't want to talk to anybody I was so hard on myself and I couldn't move on and um, now it takes me about three days, so I'm, I'm better than seven days, but I'm not nearly as bad. Like I still, 
you know, think about the mistakes I made, but I try to learn from them now and move on. But I don't feel like my head's being held underwater when I don't win. I come home, I have a great family, I have a great life, and getting to race is the icing on the cake. But I understand now. I think my kids put that, you know, my priorities were put in order once my children were born. So I realized that life is not all about racing, but um, it sure does make it a lot more fun. Does it? Does it help you? And I don't just mean in terms of the victory, because the victories all help. The victories all help with the points and everything else. I don't mean it in that way. But does that Charlotte victory help you take and, again, kind of keep the clear head? Like you you set out with a goal to, to do something to honor people that have been in, in and continue to be in a really tough spot because of Hurricane Ida. Had that still, or if that was still hanging over your head coming into Dallas, would that have been a detriment or not to say you lack for motivation, because that's what we're talking about. You never lack for motivation. Or was that something that, that had you find something in yourself that you need to find another kind of reason to get there again? Well, I'm extremely grateful and thankful that that win happened because, yes, I needed it. I needed the confidence boost. I needed to know that I can still do this. I needed to know that it can still be my day because, you know, you get to a point where you start thinking, I don't deserve it or maybe it's never going to be my day you know you actually start thinking all the worst things and um i couldn't figure out like are you scared are you kidding me like i didn't win the u.s nationals i should have won the u.s nationals and then i go to reading and and i think i was number one qualifier i can't even remember i was number one qualifier one of them yes i'm thinking oh well this is going to be it and then you don't win and you're like okay so what's going on here maybe it's just not meant for me to be anymore and um and then it happens in Charlotte. So you're like, okay, it, it is meant to be. I still, I can still do this. You know, I, I, everything is, I have everything I need. So now, yes, it, it helped greatly to be able to go to Dallas knowing, and you know, the pressure, the monkey's off my back. So I still want to go to Dallas and win this race, but I don't feel that load of pressure. Like yeah. I kept messing it up after, you know, if I didn't win Charlotte, I, I would have gone there with just as much motivation, just as much passion, but that load would have, would have been on my shoulders holding me down. You know, you mentioned, uh, obviously, Vance and Hines, the role they've played in this in this project, in this program. Eddie's out there. Eddie did win the U.S. Nationals, as you mentioned before. Uh, Andrew's year has just been not a very Andrew Hines-like year, and they've been trying some things and, and having conversations with him. It's just they're working through stuff, and it's it takes time to sometimes find your way to the other side of it. That being said, you know, those guys are an integral part of tuning your motorcycle. And even though Andrew's been perhaps struggling in the performance of his own bike, it has certainly not detracted from the performance of yours. And I want to talk about that dynamic a little bit. What is that team dynamic like, especially now that you and Eddie are both championship contenders? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you actually mentioned that because um, Andrew tunes my motorcycle. Um, He's my crew. It's actually pretty funny. He's my crew chief. And he's also my competitor and my teammate and my boss. And um, Eddie takes a huge part in helping with my bike as well. Um, They sit there and talk about it a lot. And yes, Andrew has been struggling with his bike this year, but there's just something weird going on with it. But one of the factors that is happening is he's putting so much attention and time into my motorcycle. I've seen him do it. I've seen where he, um, you know, maybe having an issue with his bike, but he's, 100% 100% focused on mine and he's somewhat you know neglected himself and I and that's just an amazing thing to see I've gained so much respect for him watching him do that but he has a, a goal and a mission as well 
to show everybody what we can do with the Suzuki four valve um, and what Vance and Hines did with this motorcycle. So I'm just really proud to have him want me to win so bad. And, you know, Eddie does as well. You know, of course, Eddie's racing against me and he wants to win too. You see, he didn't. He sure as heck did not let me win the U.S. Nationals <laughs> when he was lined up next to me. And he knew how bad I wanted and needed it. But he's, you know, we're racers and we're going to kill each other when we get up there. But, um, yeah, the team dynamic is, is amazing. What they're doing to help me win, it makes me feel so humbled and, and sometimes not even deserving enough for what all they do for me. But I'm so proud of it. Um, I did want to mention something about Dallas that just popped in my mind when you were talking sure. about the whole team was that um, Mission Foods is in Dallas. So I was hoping to get a tour of the plant, which I was told was over a million square feet. But I'm, I've been so proud to have them on board with us this year. They took a big part of, of you know the load of the financial burden of racing off of us, and they, they're helping us to stay out there. They've been a wonderful, really, really fun sponsor. So... You know, I, I just talked about having the pressure off my shoulders going into Dallas, but one thing that I do think about is the fact that this is Mission's home track, and um, they'll all be there watching, and, and I'm hoping to do well for them. I always have something that I'm racing for other than myself and my team, and it, it's not like I'm looking for it, but there's a, it always seems to find me. So now we're going to Dallas with Mission's home track, and... Um, I want to do well for them. And if you guys haven't checked out their their social media pages and their website, they are really, really fun. And they are oh, they really are. involved in all forms of motorsports. I mean, they do, like, really fun commercials with me and just really cool stuff. And I know that NHRA fans are so loyal and uh, really good to all of our sponsors. So you guys give some love to Mission Foods and, and check them out for what they're doing to help me. You're the first drag racer in history to have her own tortilla chips made. <laughs> yeah, we have motorcycle-shaped tortillas. So um, it's not always good for me when I'm trying to be the health nut in the gym all the time and on a special diet. And we have, But they do have a health line of tortillas, too, my favorite of the protein. So they help me in some ways. But when they start bringing those motorcycle chips with the cheese dip, yeah, I get a little out of control. So one last question before I let you go. When you when you kind of look around and, and we see what I believe is kind of a four-bike race to the finish here, Steve Johnson, yourself, Eddie, and Matt Smith, um, you know, we've seen what Eddie's bike's capable of at the U.S. Nationals. We've seen what uh, we've seen what Steve's bike's been capable of. And obviously he had a tough break there in, in Charlotte when he hit the block and, and sent uh, Joey on to the next round. We really haven't seen Matt Smith kind of step up to the plate yet in the countdown. And is that something – you're kind of waiting to see what he's got up his sleeve. And, and I'm not saying he's hiding anything, but he's had his struggles like anybody else. If there's one, to me, unknown in this top four, it's probably Matt Smith. Yeah, well, I mean, we all know Matt's 100% capable of, of getting up there and winning the next race or the next one or taking the championship from us. We've seen him do it before. Um, I think he's just typically dealing with stuff that everybody deals with, like how Andrew's having some yeah. struggles right now. Um, but like we said earlier, when it's his day, it's going to be his day. And I know Steve Johnson for sure is hoping that that day doesn't come anytime this year. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, I am as well, you know, and then here we go again. I'm going to have to try my best to win every round, get every little baby point I can and try to steal something away from Steve Johnson that I know he wants just as bad as Joey wanted that win. So, you know, going into the end of the year, it, here we're going we're gonna to be dealing with emotions again. But 
you know, I, I do want it just as bad as anybody else, and I'm going to do my best, and Andrew and Eddie are going to do their best, and I know Steve will be, and Matt's going to be right there trying to take it all away from us. So, I, I, like you said, I do believe this is going to be one of the most exciting seasons or countdowns for first-light motorcycles. The competition is unreal, and it's going to be left to whoever can keep their composure and do the best job on the starting line and have the quickest and fastest motorcycle, and I believe I have that. I have a very quick, fast motorcycle. I'm just got to do my my job on the starting line. Amen to that. And uh, you mentioned the little points, and and that's a great point for this particular weekend. It's the only race of the season that will have four qualifying sessions. In fact, exactly, in fact, yeah. the, the first race since since Phoenix of 2020 that's had four qualifying sessions. So, um, yeah, it's that's an element that honestly you've you've enlightened me to because I didn't really think of it in that way when we're talking about a points chaser. Right now, is at 17. If you can if you can grab. You know, in a, in a perfect scenario, if you can grab four rounds of baby points, my goodness, that that basically snugs it all the way up. Yeah, for for those that are listening, I may not know um, when you're low ET of the qualifying runs, you get extra points. Um, I think what is it? I can't even remember the exact points. I just looked at it the other day, like four, three, and two, or yes. something like that. Um, so if I go low of the round on my first round out on Friday, that's four extra points. And if we can keep doing that each run. Yes, that adds up when you're only 17 points behind. Where 20, you get 20 points for each round win, so I'm less than a round behind. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to steal every little point we can. Um, I'm just gonna keep my fingers crossed, keep my blinders on, keep looking at the finish line, and uh, whatever happens happens. But either way, I guarantee you, I will be finishing this year with a smile on my face. Angel, thanks so much for taking the time. It is, uh, it's always fun to watch a race. You race with uh, really a, a level of, of passion that uh, you do not ever try to suppress, and I think it's great. I think it endears you to, endears you to a lot of fans. And, and you even made a joke out of it when you won, uh, when you won in Charlotte about, oh, yeah, all you people that make fun of me when I cry will forget <laughs> it. And, and frankly, yeah. if, there was, if, there, if you have a soul and you watch that and you were not emotionally moved by the events of that day, then forget about it. You got no hope for yourself. So, so never, yeah, never, uh, never take any shame in that game at all well my husband actually got on me a little bit he's like promise me you'll stop apologizing for that because i did it before you know i I said something before about if you don't like to see me cry look away he said you have to stop saying that you know but there's so many people who say really hateful things about me because of my passion and my my emotions and i I do i need to stop focusing on those people because that's who i am i want to win so bad when if i'm happy i'm crying if i'm sad i'm crying if i'm mad i'm crying but it's a level of emotion that I can't control, and it just comes out of me in tears. You know, instead of anger, like you saw Steve Johnson, he was mad yeah. after that run. Um, my emotions are exactly the same; they just come out in tears. And so, I am going to stop apologizing for my emotions, and I'm going to keep showing them because I always said, when a racer has no emotion, that's when they need to stay home. Yeah, and I, you can see that I I'm not there yet. I don't. I am still so overwhelmed with emotion, and that's why I'm still out here. Well, listen, don't get to that no emotion place. Stay right where you're at. It's a good spot for you. It works. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that, and I appreciate you having me on the show. Thanks, Angel. All right. Thank you. Take care. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Two unique people and two great conversations. The insight from Dallas Glenn about how he has approached this year, what his feelings have been, how his own kind of personal 
trip as a driver, as a crew chief, and as the guy who uh, really has to answer to the camera after the runs that he has made. It's very interesting. And of course, Angel is never afraid to get down into the trenches and really get into her emotions and, and the way she's feeling and the way she's dealing and the way she's approaching things. It's fascinating. And again, she mentioned the fact that she now has 44 national event wins. She is seeking another championship in the pro stock motorcycle category, and she continues to do it her own way with that incredibly impassioned approach that has done her so well over the years. Great stuff. Absolutely great stuff. And we are shaping up to have a great weekend at the NHRA Texas Fall Nationals down there at the Texas Motorplex, the culmination of the Stampede of Speed, which is going on quite literally as I make this show and will be going on all week throughout the race. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, you can go to Ennis, Texas tomorrow and buy an entry pass and watch professional testing on a Wednesday at the same track we're going to be racing on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which is a very, and I'm talking very unique situation. The NHRA has worked with the Texas Motorplex, with this uh, stampede of speed to make things happen, to fill the racetrack with activities, and to really have a lot of fun and a huge, huge fan attendance has already begun to show itself over the course of the concerts this weekend and the early action on the drag strip. Thank you so much for listening to the NHRA Insider Podcast. I'm Brian Loans. You should check NHRA.com for A, tickets to the Fall Nationals, or you can go to the Texas Motorplex website to get your tickets there. Secondly, you should check NHRA.com for our broadcast schedule this weekend. We have qualifying show on Friday evening. We have a qualifying show on Sunday midday, and then our elimination show is coming on Sunday afternoon. It is the fourth stop of the seven-race NHRA Camping World Countdown to the Championship, and it is going to be a barn burner down there in Ennis, Texas at the Texas Motorplex. As always, thanks for following the world of NHRA drag racing, and I look forward to coming back next week. We'll talk about Dallas, and we'll set up Bristol.